Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash being boss. As a busy professional, it's likely that support comes up for you quite often. From getting the support that you need from your team or your family to giving appropriate support to your team or your family or your customers or your clients, we all get and give support to everyone around us but we also oftentimes feel like it's missing the mark. So how do we hit the mark? And how do we help those around us hit the mark? It's not through more systems or more instructions or definitely not through more managing. It's through more leadership. Welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creatives, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want to take control of their work and live life on their own terms. I'm your host, Emily Thompson. And this week, I'm talking support and leadership with my boss pal, Sally Netherwood. Sally is a global leadership coach based in the UK, working with clients all around the world. She has spent the last two decades coaching extraordinary business leaders, entrepreneurs, and change makers as they pursue their leadership journey. Sally sees her role as a catalyst for transformational moments along this leadership journey to create the magnificent leaps that propel her clients to a new and richer way of living and leading. She is the leader's champion, holding them to a level of brilliance they scarcely dare believe is achievable. The way she works is challenging and liberating. It creates pivotal life-enhancing moments of transformation. I met Sally several months ago when she joined me in the C-suite, the exclusive application-only third tier of the Being Boss community, where I meet with the six-figure boss members every week to discuss relevant topics and workshop obstacles and opportunities. Sally immediately struck me as a gem of a boss with her quiet, observant demeanor, her impeccable questions, and her ability to leave us all scribbling down what we've since dubbed as Sallyisms whenever she has something to say. The conversation you're about to hear was recorded live with a group of community bosses joining in for one of our monthly clubhouse conversations, which is available to our second tier of the community. And to be clear, the community does have three tiers. There's the community, which gives access to all bosses, the clubhouse where you get access to extra being boss content, and the C-suite, that application-only peer mastermind group of six-figure CEOs. So as you'll listen through, you may hear us sharing more about what's happening in the chat or taking questions from the audience who were all totally digging our chat on support and leadership, as I'm sure you're about to as well. But now before we dive in, here's a message from our sponsor. I can't talk about the topic of support without talking about the tools we use in our business from the tools that help you practice your craft to the ones that make your business run. And I can't talk about business tools without talking about having tools to make sure your money situation is on point, which you can do with a tool like FreshBooks. Whether you're looking for invoicing or tracking expenses, multi-currency support, or the ability to set up subscriptions, FreshBooks is here to help the creative be on top of their money game, automatically track your expenses, and store your receipts. Save time and get paid up to two times faster. It's here to help you get paid for the work that you do. Sign up now and get 50% off your first three months by going to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Hello, everyone. All the bosses in the room. Hope you're doing well. How are you, Sally? I'm good, Emily. Hi, how are you? Hello, everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I've invited Sally to join me this month, I guess, for this Clubhouse conversation. I cannot wait to introduce everyone to her. You are going to love her. 
What's going on today is Sally and I are going to be having a conversation around support, but very specifically leadership. I have very much so enjoyed getting to know Sally over the past several weeks in the C-suite. And one of my favorite things is how she's pretty quiet, which is interesting for the boss crowd. Usually bosses are like in there. (laughs) Sally's very like... (laughs) observational. And then whenever she speaks, everyone in the room just starts scribbling down exactly what it is that she's saying. So we've all coined them as Sallyisms <laughs> in the suite, in the C-suite. Um, and so I thought it was very important for me to bring her to all of you and show you this amazing resource and boss mind that is in the community. Um, and we're here today talking about um, leadership and support, which is the topic of the month. So Sally, with all of that, I would love for you to share us a little bit or share with us a little bit about yourself and how it is that you've gotten to this place. Thank you, Emily. There's no pressure there, is there? You know, just Sallyisms to order. I'll have to mm-hmm. see what I can do. Um, so, how did I get here? Uh, well, I've been doing it as, as you said in the intro, for 20 years. So it feels like I've been doing it forever. I do, I do know the story of how I got here, but it is almost so long ago. It's like a story that I know rather than really remembering it. So, I, my professional life was in advertising at the start. I did 10 years in advertising, and I got to the point where that wasn't right for me anymore. Um, but I wasn't sure quite what was right. And I had an idea for a business I wanted to start. So it was definitely an entrepreneurial idea. And I left the advertising agency that I was at to start this idea. And I got my spare room all set up with, um, you know, a computer and a desk, and I'm ready to go and started researching this idea. And the more I researched it, the more I thought, I don't want to do this. This is a service I want to buy. It's a service I want to pay for. It was a sort of a concierge idea, helping people run their lives. Because when I had had a really busy life in advertising, that's what I wanted. I needed somebody to get my washing machine fixed, to sort out my holidays, to to help me run my life. So I thought, oh, I'll leave advertising and do that. But it's not what I wanted to do. So you had that kind of moment of, oh, so what do I do? And it was... Coaching was around then, life coaching. I think it was probably better known in America two years ago, 20 years ago than it was in the UK. But I had heard of coaching, mostly from life coaching. So I got myself a life coach to help me work out what I was going to do. And I should say that while, while I was sitting there working out how I was going to make a living, having walked out of one, um, various people started calling me up and asking me to help them, to give them advice. Could you talk me through this? I used to work with you a few years ago. Could you give me some advice on this? So I was for virtually no money at all, sort of, and you know, sort of embarrassed to charge for it, was sort of giving people an hour here, an afternoon there of my time to sort their confidence out or their business out or their ideas out and got myself a life coach and said, right, you need to tell me what I'm going to do for a living because I'm I'm blank. I have no idea what I'm going to do for a living. Yeah, I'm doing this stuff now, which is helping people, you know, with confidence and things, but, you know, but what am I actually going to do for a living? And she, of course, well, Sally, maybe, maybe you're doing it. Maybe maybe it's come to you. So coaching really did come to me. Um, And as a result of that life coach that I work with, I learned about coaching, I learned about where to go for training. Uh, Well, I say I learned, but I'm not always a huge researcher. She said, well, there's this company called Coach You and there's this company called um, CTI, Coaches Training Institute. They're the ones I know. So I looked at them both. One was live and had sessions in London. The other was all virtual. So I thought I'll go for the live one. And that was the extent of my research. But um, I chose a good one. I chose a good company. And essentially, I, I trained while I was doing it. So I was coaching and learning what I was doing while I was training. Um, so it really was a career that came and found me, which I do think is often a case with entrepreneurs. <laughs> it's often something you didn't realize you were doing, or you thought it was your hobby, or you thought you did it to relax. Um, and it can creep over you and suddenly you realize, oh, people might actually pay for this. People might actually 
value this. So that was 20 years ago. I uh, grew very, I, I life coached really for about a year and very quickly got into leadership coaching, which I love. I love everything about leadership coaching. I love my clients. I love what I get to do. It's such a privilege to work with people. And, you know, I do, the word transformation comes up a lot in my when I talk about my work, because that's, that's the goal. The goal is to not make it hard work for somebody to create a change. The goal is for them to make it easy because the transform, they're transformed. It's not a long, arduous journey. It's like, I'm here and now I can do it differently. I can see it differently or I can behave it differently. So the business has gone up and down over the 20 years and well, up and down as in, in different directions. Um, and here I am today. Mm, I love that you're talking about what you are, what you found in your clients is also the exact same journey that you went through. Like it was this long process of transformation. For you, it wasn't that you quit your job and you just knew exactly what you were going to do next and you like went and did it. It was a process of transformation where you quit the job, you thought you knew what you were going to do, then maybe not. So you like started down the journey. And I also really love that you found everything, you allowed everything to find you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't this hard push, which oftentimes entrepreneurs think, especially after they quit their job, you know, I need to solve the problems, you know, make ends meet all of the things. They start pushing in, um, in specific directions when I do think there is something necessary to following a slower process and letting the things come to you, which is, it sounds like exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And I, and I often think when you, uh, you don't know where you're going and then you suddenly, it's like, it's, it's like a fog. It's like there's fog in front of you. You know, there's land beyond the fog. You know, there's something that you're trying to get to, but there's the fog in the way. And sometimes it's in a moment, you know, or it's six months and then a moment and it clears. Other times it's plowing through it, but you can suddenly see what's beyond. And I often find then you can look back and go, oh, of course this was where I I was coming. Of course, when I look back, so when I look back at what I was good at in advertising, what made me successful in advertising, I wasn't particularly good at the actual adverts of advertising or in the craft, if you like. I was good at the motivating people and persuading people and bringing people on board and getting them ready to do what they needed to do. So, and that's, essentially what I still do now, a little bit more structure around it, but same kind of thing. Right. You just have to wait for the light to be shed on what's already there. Yes. Right. Mm, I love this. So I want to start moving in the direction of talking about leadership and support, because that's what it is that we're here to talk about today. And like I said earlier, I think I mean, it comes so naturally to you. Whenever you're you, everyone watching this in the clubhouse conversation sees how animated Sally can get whenever, <laughs> whenever she's talking about things that she's feeling very excited about. And anytime I ever hear you talking about um, leadership and really adjusting and accepting some mindsets around how it is that we um, we show up for ourselves and our businesses and our customers or our teams, all of those things. That's where I see you get the most animated, and I love it. So I want to head in that direction. And I want to talk first very, I guess, probably broadly around leadership because I feel like sometimes that can be a bit of a buzzword, you know, like Mm -hmm. just be a leader, get some leadership training, all of these things. It's kind of lost its meaning. Or Mm -hmm. So I want to start there. What does leadership mean, and how do you find it – really fitting into sort of this universe of the being boss, um, I guess, system of being? <laughs> I think it's a great question. In preparing for this, you 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 know, you told me you were going to ask me that. And I thought, oh, yeah, what is leadership? My God, I spend my time doing leadership, talking leadership. What actually do I mean by leadership? So I'm going to caveat that with this is what I mean. By leadership, there's a, as many different definitions as there are out there as there are leaders. I should think. What I think leadership is is being able to influence people to work or move in some way that furthers your cause. 
So the further is the progress towards your goal. So if you if that's in business and you have employees, it's it's having those employees feel like they want to, that they're motivated to, that they understand why they're working hard here and why they want to work harder and why not just about the, the graph, the actual hard work, but the way in which they work, that there's an internal motivation to work, not just because I get paid and my hours are nine till six or whatever. So leadership is about having the people go with you. And I sometimes think it's easier to explain by setting it apart from managing because managing, being a manager is a really important job. And I think in a being boss context, probably most of us small business owners are both managers and leaders and they're both valid roles, uh, but they're different. So a manager is responsible for the output in a way. It's for, so in your business, Emily, it's uh, the almanac, it's getting the candles to look good, to work, you know, to be of good quality, to be produced on the right budget, on time, shipped appropriately to the client, to the customer and looking pretty and making them feel good when they get it. That's managing that process, managing the budgets, keeping an eye on your figures. All of that is managing. Leading is how you influence people. So leading is making the person who's wrapping or making the candles feel excited by it or feel motivated by it or part of the vision or devoted to you or devoted to the the customer. There's something more integral to the way that they're producing it. Um, and so it's almost like a manager is responsible for the product or service output. A leader is responsible for the human input. It's how does that human being feel while about working here or about making your product or providing your service? And why is that important? I mean, I think we get it. But like from you, why is it important for you to not only manage, but to inspire and lead? Because you get more of a person. You get rather than doing a good, the right job to the right standard that has been set for me or that is on the wall in the, or written down in the service book or whatever, rather than doing a good, right job, you get people doing their best. You get people doing their better, even better for you, their better best. You get people wanting to think outside the box. You get people coming to you going, you know, on the wall, it says we do one, two, three. Well, I've been thinking that if we did three, two, one, it would save us money, time and space. So it actually gets people feeling I'm part of this business. I'm not just here for the money. I'm here because I'm part of this business. And if I can help it succeed, I will get some fulfillment and motivation from that as well. The other side of, of influencing is making people feel like they're growing sort of leadership. So it's constantly, you want to constantly develop your business. So you want to constantly grow your team. So your team need to know that there's a future here, that they're going to learn and grow, that, or they're going, there's some sort of progression for them, or some sort of training or promise of furtherment, which makes people feel um, more emotionally attached to the business. Leadership, of course, extends to clients as well, to, to your clients and customers. Indeed, because what you're cultivating here is loyalty, right? And we all know that selling a customer who's already bought from you is significantly easier than selling mm -hmm. to one who hasn't already. Um, having employees that are loyal to you results in less turnover, of employees, like they're going to stay on, yep. they're going to become more integral for your business, you're going to spend less time refilling roles that you've just refilled all of these things. There really does wrap up a whole lot of very important uh, results from not just managing, but leading. And in the context of, you know, the community this month, and the things that we've been talking about, we've been talking about support, and how it is that we give support, but al also how it is that we get support. And we've been focusing a lot on on the getting of support, um, how it is that we are putting people in our lives and in our businesses. Because I will say too, all of this that we're talking about also works for your life too. 
Like, is your Absolutely. life partner on board for that home renovation? <laughs> like, if, mm-hmm. if you're the one holding the vision, you need to lead everyone towards that vision. And the same thing with your kids as you're thinking about that. I'm thinking about my preteen. Like, how can I really get her to buy in on the dishes? <laughs> yeah. But it is funny enough when I was thinking about that as well. And it's like when your child's younger and you need them to eat their vegetables, you know, you need them to, we don't just need them to eat it. You want them to enjoy and like their vegetables. You know, you have as a parent of a young child, the ability to force them to eat their vegetables or pay them to eat their vegetables or say, eat your vegetables or there's no TV. And yet what we seek to do is kind of, uh, explain why eating vegetables is good so that if they're athletic you'll be able to run faster your legs will grow longer your muscles will be stronger if you eat your vegetables you know it's it's giving them their own motivation for eating vegetables rather than just because you said so right it's definitely giving context and i think a funny thing here and this ties back to everything we do here at being boss um it requires a conversation Like there's a difference between giving an order and giving context. So saying, I need you to, you know, so at Almanac, it's about, um, there's a difference between getting someone to package an order and saying, Mm -hmm. this is how I want you to prep this box and not giving any context. And they're going to be like, well, I don't want to put the sticker on that way, or I don't want to use two pieces of, of, um, tissue paper or whatever, as opposed to walking them through what happens and why it is that we have these protocols so that everything does arrive very safely. And I give that example because that's literally been something we've had to do. We are very particular about how it is that we package our boxes, both for the safety of the products inside, Mm -hmm. but also for the experience that the customer gets whenever they receive the package. Without that context, um, they don't have any real reason to follow that other than, oh, I've been given this instruction. But we don't have as many workers in the workplace these days, I don't think, who are just order takers. People yeah. want to know why it is that they are doing something, how it affects the bottom line. And all of that requires more conversation, which requires a bit more connection, which there is the difference between a leader and a manager. Yes, that is the difference. And you've also highlighted that upfront leadership can take more time than managing somebody. So you can just tell somebody what to do. You could even type it up and hand a sheet to somebody when they walk in. So telling somebody what to do is quicker. But as you said, the leadership part, the involvement, the making them feel part of the process and understanding the process might take longer on that first morning. But you reap the rewards later down the line where they are sticking to the process because they understand why or they're more involved in it or they're looking to improve it or they're coming back to you and saying actually you know what I've noticed the stickers peel off if we do them this way so why don't we do them that way so leadership is an upfront investment quite often but it's for the reward further down the line Mm, I need to walk my kid back through filling up the dishwasher (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And why? And why a dishwasher works? And <laughs> why this is important and how it yeah. how it relates to, you know, the livelihood of our family. Like if you're doing dishes, I'm not doing dishes, and then I can go do this thing so that we can go on vacation, except maybe not vacation. That may be a very bad example. <laughs> hey, but you know why that is a good example, the lead the dishwasher thing, is because it brings in emotions. And that's where leadership leadership is about influencing how people feel about things. So if you tell your daughter to load or empty the dishwasher, of course she doesn't want, it's a bore, it's a, it's a bad job. You know, nobody wants to do the dishwasher. Um, but if you explain to her how you feel, if you have to do it all the time, or you have to, in the case, my, maybe just talking about my sons here, but how I have to go to the dishwasher and restack it after they've put their things, their plates in, because otherwise nothing will come out clean. If if I just shout at them and say, if it didn't, but if I explain how that makes me feel, they can't, uh, the, you've got a different buy-in and people yeah. are more likely, and that's leadership. So taking it to a, to a working with your team or uh, people, your suppliers or your customers, if you can understand how they feel and how you want them to feel and seek to influence that, then you're becoming more and more influential and more and more of a leader. Mm. And in that case, you also get more and more support. 
Yes. Right? So the people who are in your life or in your business, your vendors, your customers, your team, your kids, whoever it is, with that more buy-in, you are getting more support. And you're also, I think, in that giving more support. People want purpose in what it is that they're doing. They want to know why. They want to know that it has an impact. I mean, we're all here because we want to impact others. We want to influence others, right? Not just bosses want that, right? Your team (laughs) wants that. Your kids want that. Your husband wants that. Like everyone wants that. So by doing these things, you are both supporting and getting support in a way that you could not otherwise. I just want to take a minute to shout out to all the small business owners out there. It's hard work balancing your bottom line and taking care of your team. That's why Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll benefits and more. Automatic payroll tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration, 401ks, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto made it simple. And right now you can get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash being boss. That's gusto.com slash being boss. Okay, with that, I want to go into some foundational elements of effective leadership. So I mentioned earlier that you're really great with just like giving us some quick quips, some good foundations, all of these things. So I would love to hear from you. What are some of those key elements that we need to keep in mind to elevate our roles in our businesses or lives or whatever from manager or task giver or, you know, or even just boss and into that leader space? Um. And the word you use there, which is a great one in leadership is elevate. So I think the thing to remember about leadership is it's, it's not like a promotion. You don't get promoted to leader and there you are. There you sit. Leadership is a lifelong journey. It's, um, it's constant work. It's con, you know, we talk about personal development, professional development and le- developing your leadership and your ability with a leader is ongoing. So the, for me, there's um, there's two key skills and four key actions for being a leader. The two key skills are listening and being curious and really listening. And it's listening to learn rather than listening to wait till it's your turn to say your thing. <laughs> you know, it's really listening. It's it's putting the spotlight on the other person and your whole job is to learn what what am I hearing with my ears from this person? But you listen with all your senses. So you listen with your eyes. You listen with your skin. You know, you get goosebumps sometimes when you're really listening to somebody or you really connect with something. You're listening with your emotions. You know, we catch emotions from somebody. So if you're really listening to somebody and they're feeling sad or elated or fearful, you can learn to feel that inside you. And all that information that you're taking on board allows you to understand that person better. So listening is, if, 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 you know, if anyone says to me, what's the one thing you must do as a leader? If it's, if it really is down to one thing, it's learn to be the most exquisite listener. And, and, and that really does go to that intuition. I know you love uh, intuitive things, Emily, but you know, you know how there are times when you're talking to somebody and you just know something and you don't know, you haven't been told it. There's no factual evidence, but you just know something about that. And leadership as well is leaning into that and allowing yourself to see if that intuition is right. Being quite comfortable with it being wrong. But actually asking, you know, I'm sensing, I'm wondering, I've got an idea. Would you like this? So it's sounding it out. And that's bringing me to the next crucial skill, which is curiosity. So great leaders are curious. Great leaders are problem solvers, just like entrepreneurs, problem solvers, puzzlers, uh, really trying to work my way through this to the most 
simple solution or the most elegant solution or the most financially sensible solution or whatever it may be, but it's curiosity and ongoing curiosity. So that's the loop of listening and learning and listening and learning and listening and learning. I find it so intriguing that you're talking about especially in the listening piece, this idea that you don't just listen with your ears, right? And you brought up intuition because I literally, as you were saying that, I was thinking like you are actually talking about sort of digesting information for the purpose of using your intuition, mm-hmm. right? Like it is yeah. engaging with all of the senses, which does require amazing attention. So you can't be a leader and like, also looking at your phone while someone's talking, Mm -hmm. right? Or you can't be a leader and be thinking about your to-do list all day. Like you really have to engage everything for the purpose of listening and feeling and sensing everything in that way so that one of the things that I love about really bringing intuition into so much it is that we do is because I do believe that your body and mind, all of the things, has the ability to pick up on so many signs and signals that your conscious brain cannot be aware of all of the things, right? And so that distillation of all of that information um, is the intuition. I don't think it is so much like, I don't think the planets are telling me what to do. (laughs) No. (laughs) Or anything like that. I think I'm instead picking on picking up on so much information. And then that gut feeling, that bit of intuition is my ability to distill all of that into something. So I appreciate you talking about that in terms of listening, because I think you're right. And I've never thought about that, like, full sensory listening before. Full sensory listening and listening with your wisdom and your experience as well. And the thing I always think about intuition is your intuition is never wrong. You just sometimes interpret it incorrectly. Mm. Yes. And sometimes it needs you to learn something first, right? A lot of people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, my intuition was wrong. I ended up like doing that thing and it was horrible. (laughs) Well, like there was a lesson there for you to learn that you needed to learn first. And now you can go do the thing. Like, I don't think that your intuition is wrong, is incorrect either. I think it's, I think it's always right one way or the other. And taking the listening thing back to the support theme Mm -hmm. um often we're really keen to support somebody we're really keen to offer a support to an employee or a customer or a friend or a child or whatever and we've decided what support they lead we've decided what trouble they're in and we've decided what we're going to do to support that person and our intentions are so good and sometimes we can confuse or divert people from a path and sometimes we can do damage or just annoy (laughs) by doing that so listening is really good there as well it's I sense or I I see that you need some support I'd like to provide it what do you need yeah or I also love that you're saying (laughs) that everyone wants to support but also no one wants to listen Right. Especially that like full sensory listen, like we're all way too distracted. Like we all want to support. Of course, we want to support our teams. Of course, we want to support our customers. Of course, we want to support, you know, our family, all of those things. But when is the last time you sat down and listened? Like Mm. really full body Mm -hmm. listened, because that is step number one. So if you feel like you need to support people that you want to support people, check yourself and make Mm -hmm. sure you're actually taking the steps. (laughs) And that they do want the support. And and what they need. You know, ask them. And I think it's important to say that a leader doesn't have to spend their entire day listening and supporting. You know, there are times when you have to do stuff, write stuff, work. Blah, blah, blah. So, but it's it's knowing which mode you're in. And if you've decided, right, it's em- Emily, need, I need, I want to give Emily some attention today. So I am going to switch my phone off, turn my computer off, move away, get somewhere. Maybe we'll get a coffee. Maybe we'll change our location. A great place for talking. So often in a business context, we sit across a table with work stuff in between us. And we're immediately sort of uh, confront confronting each other or or, or there's, there's something or there's the problem is in between us and we're tussling over it or whatever it might be. And the best way to listen to somebody, if you ever noticed, I'm sure you've noticed this with your daughter, Emily, is in the car when they're sitting next to you. 
or walking. So going for a walk, if you really need a, a deep conversation or a deep listen with somebody, go for a walk. Fact. It really helps. I need to do more of that. You're right. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I will say to you, even from the parenting thing, I feel like most of our parenting does happen on walks, right? Like some of those like mm. really big conversations, we're talking mm-hmm. about things, we're laying things out. It definitely is our daily walks. Ooh, you're right about that. Well, we're sort of trained that eye contact is really important for listening. But actually, when we're having a new thought, we have to look up. And if if I'm with eye contact with you all the time, I'm actually, my brain cannot have new thoughts. It needs to be able to look at, that's where my new idea section is. And I have to be able to look away from you and look up to access my idea section. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. And I think not only my mind, there's some... (laughs) Gabby, I see your woe comment over there in the chat. For sure, you are completely right. And you're not texting if you're walking. I can't text and walk, guys. Like, I'm going to get hit by a car. <laughs> right? You're not, like, sitting there on the on your laptop. You're not writing notes. Like, you are just listening. Oh, you're totally right. So I want to move on to this, this curious piece, and then we can move past skills. Um, but when it comes to curiosity, what does that look like? Do you have any, like, thoughts or tips on uh, like listening full body listen to everything but Mm -hmm. curiosity how does someone embrace and show that Mm -hmm. um be dumb so when you're being (laughs) curious the dumb questions are the best ones so I, I you know, I've worked with lots of people in lots of businesses over the years and I start them on curiosity and they go, I can hear them. I, I put them in partners and they worked, you know, they're practicing being curious with each other. And I hear something, but don't you think it would be a good idea if you were to could just call them up and confront them with it? Question mark. So it's a question. It's a, it's a, this is what you should do disguised as a question. And I'm telling you how clever I am, or I'm, and I may even be really genuinely trying to serve you and help you by giving you an idea. Whereas in this context, curiosity is assuming they're the expert and you know nothing. And so the questions to ask are open questions, not closed questions. So closed questions are the questions that end in yes or no. They're sort of dead ends in the curiosity world. Um, do you like? French fries. Yes. What do you like about French fries? Oh, well, I love, I love the whole sensation. And it leads you down a different path. So always ask open questions that are not close questions. And the best dumb open questions begin with the what sound. So what, where, how, well, how doesn't quite fit my rule, how and when. So what, where, how and when. Uh, So what do you like about French fries? When do you most love eating French fries? How do you like to eat French fries? They're all, and what you'll get in the answer, yes, you'll find out a bit about French fry eating, but you'll find out they love to eat them on holiday when they're with family and friends. It's the only time they let themselves eat French fries. So it's an indulgence. I don't know. You'll find out more about the nature of that person. The one question that, that I think kills curiosity. It, well, it doesn't kill it, but it, it follows my rules, but I rule it out, is why? Why do you like French fries? Why do you eat French fries? Why has a little bit of defend yourself in it? It has, you have to explain yourself with why. It sounds like I've got an opinion. It does, it's not a rule, but I tend to avoid why. People tend to feel they have to defend themselves with a why. So curiosity, open questions that that explore and then just follow your nose and then ask more. Just, and, and what do you like about that? And what do you like about that? Like really dumb questions and you get much more information. I often find in my experience whenever, whenever, really all the time, this is just kind of me as a person, <laughs> I like for other people Whenever you're workshopping things or whenever there is a a team member or maybe a partner, (laughs) like a life partner or something. (laughs) No, I'm not talking about anything specific here. But um, I always find it significantly more helpful if things are not going down the right path. Let's say, let's say you've given someone a problem to solve and they're not like, it's not really the solution. Um, I often find that telling someone they're wrong is not going to work, 
right? Especially the kinds of people that we like to be around and work with. They, mm-hmm. they, I find that people like to come up with these things on their own, right? They like <laughs> yes. to find themselves in this place. And I think you're this lesson of curiosity, even if you know that something someone has done is incorrect or not the best way to do it, following this line of questioning out of curiosity can help them get to the place where they're seeing the problem with their solution or they're seeing a better solution to the problem or whatever it may be so that you're helping you can help people through their own process through this like open ended questions and mm-hmm. like well tell me how you did that and what do you think would happen if we were to try this other thing? And like, you could throw in some things. <laughs> this is just me. Maybe I'm literally just speaking and about myself, nutshell, but I do this. <laughs> in a nutshell, that's coaching. That is coaching. A coaching is helping somebody else find the solution to their challenge or problem or choice. Yeah. And it works. So, I find it works. And it, it builds It builds this openness for, you know, presenting – Actually, in the C-suite, in all of my masterminding, we do this thing that we just call shitty ideas, right? Yeah, Where yeah. And we've talked about this on the podcast. Kathleen and I started doing this years ago with this idea of you – you just start having these conversations where you're just saying things. You're just presenting yeah. problems. And I feel like this curiosity piece and what I'm talking about of like getting people to their own solutions really opens up to the honesty that is real. And not every solution is going to be the best. Everything can mm. kind of be improved. And people aren't defensive whenever it comes to workshopping new ideas, whatever it may be. I think there's something very important to, um, especially in this this conversation of leadership and thinking about how this curiosity can help lead people to solutions without you giving them the solutions, without you telling yeah. them that the solution that came up was incorrect, but more of Let's have a nice question-oriented conversation that can lead you to a better solution. I think that's also a very important skill to have, um, especially when you're like me and you just – I don't like telling other people they're wrong and rather than prove it to themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I tell you what's in that, Emily, is usually <laughs> nobody's completely wrong. Mm. So it's supporting them in finding which bit did I go wrong on or which is the right stuff that I need to do again, but at which point in the path did I take the wrong turn? Oh, I see now it was there if I, you know, so it's helping them do that. And it's a, it's an, a very, so I, when you're dealing with your kids, one's partner, uh, employees or that people come to you with a problem, you know, when you're the boss, um, leader, manager, whatever, when you're in a position of authority, people come to you with a problem. And I always encourage people to see the problem as a beach ball. Remember those nice 1970s sort of inflatable, well, I'm showing my age here, but inflatable beach balls. They're really light and they're really easy to carry. And every problem that somebody comes to you with, you see it as a beach ball. And your job is to not touch the beach ball is to not have it going. So they'll come in and they go, oh, I've got a real problem. I don't know how to do this. And they start handing you the beach ball. And your job as a leader and a coaching leader, as you've just described, is to have them leave your office or your desk or your telephone, um, knowing what they're going to do without you touching that beach ball once. Because if you constantly provide solutions to the problem, you will end up with a desk full of beach balls that you will never get out from under. And you are training your staff or your team or your kids to come to you every time they've got a problem. And if you instead train them to be resourceful and resilient and solve their own problems, you will get less and less people coming to you with their beach balls. I need every boss listening to this to rewind and listen to that again. <laughs> Plain and simple, because this is like this is the plague of the boss for sure. Um, is growing a team and um and then find themselves in constant review mode, right? Or problem solving mm-hmm. mode for those people. So mm-hmm. I think you just gave us a wonderful analogy for that. Okay, so listening and curiosity, those are the two skills. Mm-hmm. What do you have for us beyond that? Um, so 
To really influence somebody, to motivate somebody, to get them to do what you need to do, not in a Machiavellian way, just because they want to, because they've bought into it. There's four things you have to know yourself first. So you have to really look down inside yourself and work out what, why you're doing this, what you do want, what, what is this all for? What, what do you need that person to do? What, where are you today? And where are you going with this? And I think you do this beautifully, Emily, in the CEO day kit. I was looking at that again the other day. And, you know, you start that with a look inside yourself. So yeah, I've got it sitting here next to me so I could remember. You know, you start with the money mojo, which is what is my relationship with my... That's got nothing, it seems, to do with a building a business. I mean, what what's that got to do with business? But actually, it's looking inside yourself. What's my relationship with money? What do I feel? What do I want it for? What's, what's it all about? You do values, you do where you are in the chain. So you get everybody centered and clear with who they are before they get into the, so what do I want? And the next bit is, so um, your intention settings and so on. So who am I, get, who, who do I need to be if I want to create this business? And so, and, and I love the way you do the intentions and I love the way you do the monthly. Um, and I'm probably going to steal that from you in my coaching. You may, you may. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Because it's it's a way of saying that's in my mind, that's in my mind. If I want to, so let's say, for example, I'm a procrastinator. If I'm a procrastinator, but I've got this brilliant idea that I know is going to happen, I'm going to set the intention that I'll just do the first thing this month. So I'll just do the first thing and then I'll do the next thing. And I am being realistic with myself about who I am, what I'm good at, what I'm not so good at, what I want to achieve or not. And then I'm taking charge of myself. So I'm managing myself. I'm taking responsibility for myself. And so those are the first two stages of being a powerful leader is to understand yourself and to be able to manage yourself, to almost um, regulate yourself, which doesn't mean not be your full self, but it means just not off the hook. And I often have people come to me sort of saying, oh, well, that's just me. You know, I'm late for everything. That's just me. As I've always been like that. That's just the way I am. And it's like, well, no, there isn't a gene for lateness. <laughs> you know, you you didn't get conceived. Well, we'll we'll write late on this one, and there we are. You know, it's it's not like that. You've got into a habit, maybe a lifetime habit, but you've got into a habit of lateness. And so here's a phrase that I think one of the most liberating phrases is "until now." Until now, I've been somebody who was late. Until now, I've been somebody who put off the important things. Until now, I shied away from difficult conversations. Until now, I didn't give my full attention to people when I was listening to them. Until now. Because what that does, it it puts it in the past, maybe just only a second ago over your shoulder, but it's until now I was that person, which suddenly liberates you to say, hmm, so from now on, I'm going to try being five minutes early. Or I'm going to try putting my phone down when somebody comes to talk to me. Or I'm going to try. So until now is a great way. Instead of saying, oh, I've always been like that. It's, well, until now I've been like that. You can borrow intention setting. I'm borrowing until now. (laughs) (laughs) And what's funny too is I also, (laughs) you pulled that on me recently. (laughs) Oh, did I? Well, you you did. You did several weeks ago. I'm recalling. And it was the most liberating thing for you to – I don't even remember what the context was. We were talking about something. And you were like, well, what if you just said until now? And I was like, oh, my – like the weight fell off. And it, Doesn't the, it? The yeah. truest statement. The truest statement is just simply adding that. Sort of – it's not annexing. Can you – is it annexing that? <laughs> We'll just say adding, adding that to the beginning of your sentences. Um, it does give you so much more potential and opportunity for what comes next. Yeah. I also want to know that what you're talking about here and this like knowing who you are and managing yourself is very much so at the core of being boss. And it's just funny too, mm-hmm. because we were actually working on some um some updated 
values for being boss in the past couple of months. And I had the entire team working on this. And Corey, actually, one of the ones that he did, he circled leadership. And I thought, we are not a leadership brand. Like, oh, you so are. Apparently so. Because what you <laughs> what you just what you just said, I think perfectly aligns with one of those core sort of mantras of being boss. And being boss is owning who you are, knowing what you want, and actually making it happen. Right? You cannot yes. own who you are and know what you want if you don't know who you are. Right? Yeah. Period. Yeah. And you can't make it happen if you are not managing yourself. So I think you just put me in my place when it comes to <laughs> being boss and leadership. I appreciate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see you as, I see this whole community as leadership. You know, it, yeah. it is about standing up for what you are willing and yearning to create in this world. Mm. And getting on with it. <laughs> and getting on with it, <laughs> right? And making no excuses and willfully putting anything that you do not want to take with you behind you. Yeah. And that's a, that's why, that's a really great point because um, so often what got you to this point, so what got you to being able to launch your own business or got you to the point of being able to bring on a team member, your first team member or, or a salesperson or whatever it might be, the behaviors or the, the the leadership that got you to this point might not be what moves you forward. So the behavior, the habits, the way of operating that have made you successful till now might slow you down, might even sabotage you achieving it. So which is why this constantly learning about yourself and, and reinventing yourself or nudging evolving yourself forwards you've got to do that because the the person that won the deal last week might not be the one that won wins next week's deal that's twice the size or with a slightly different target audience got to keep evolving for sure which takes it to the so the reason for doing the other reason for doing this learning about yourself and uh, learning to regulate and manage yourself, that w- which part of which which you you put into the world today, is because as we said at the beginning, leadership is about influencing others. So the 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 three and four, if you like, is learning other people, noticing other people, which is back to the listening and curiosity, listening and curious about yourself, and listening and curious about other people. So standing into somebody else's shoes. We are so guilty as humans with the best of intentions that when somebody looks like they need motivating, we will save the things that would motivate us. So I know if I were in your position, if I were in your position, I would want somebody to say this to me. So I'm going to say it to you. So, uh, for example, expertise. Some people are really motivated by being a specialist and really expert and highly thought of in something. And um, But if you've got somebody who's uh, more of a generalist who wants to have uh, a position that oversees all sorts of areas and wants to sort of be more of a, of a big picture role, Encouraging that person to become a special, you should go on a training course, you should go on a training course and really get deep into this because you think, and you're hearing yourself and you go, oh yes, that'd be great. That's what I do. But you've got to then look at the impact you're having, get curious. This, this doesn't seem to be working. Then they're not motivated. And actually what I know about this person is this. So you're constantly listening and being curious about what, what information you're receiving and what that's telling you, and you put something back in, and how does that land? Oh, that's the, the light's gone out of their eyes with that. So let me even be honest about it and go, well, I can see that I've really demotivated you with that advice. What do you need? To go back to the dumb question, curiosity, what do you need? Mm. Okay, what's number four? <laughs> I actually think I rolled number four into Did that. you? I was just thinking, yeah, I accidentally <laughs> rolled number four. So number three. <laughs> yeah, number one okay. is self-awareness, if yep. you like. Number two is learning to manage yourself. Number mm-hmm. three is empathy, really. So it's really understanding how the other person thought. So number four is then and motivating them or influencing them or exciting them along your, you know, along with your cause using what you've learned. using what you've learned and managing yourself so you go I know that I would just be really motivated by getting I'd like an extra week's holiday every year so I'm going to offer it to this person but maybe that's not that's the last thing they want Mm. (laughs) just get real excited Mm -hmm. about this yes (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, we do. Sorry, we do have one question from a boss here live with us, and this is from Asandi. Hello, Asandi. And I will say, Asandi over here in the comments earlier posted "bless and release," and I've heard her say that in the community a couple of times. I've seen it, and I think there is something so powerful to just even the mm-hmm. ability to bless something, and then obviously yeah. also releasing it. But her question is. What are the leadership challenges that your clients most frequently face? She's curious if, uh, how, and if it differs from bosses who are navigating in the, in the States. Um, well, my clients are all over the world. So I have a lot of clients in the States. Um, I, in fact, I probably have equally equal numbers of American clients and UK clients and then a handful of others elsewhere. So I'm just going to, I'm going to answer the first part because I, I can't get by, I can't think how it's different for the States. I think the, the, you know, there's different moods in different countries at different times, particularly this year, depending on what phase of the Corona coaster you're on, you know, there's a, a different <laughs> mood. Um, but I, I think honestly, and often I think women claim this one for themselves more than they need to is, um, imposter syndrome is, uh, I think you, Emily, call them fraudy feelings. You know, it's that kind of imposter syndrome, that feeling. It's not, it's not me. I'm not really the one for this. Somebody must have already thought of this before me. And I have worked with the most confident alpha, you know, men and women, and I cannot say it's exclusively that they've all had that, but it's very rare to find somebody who doesn't have some form of imposter syndrome. It, they just express it in different ways. So I think that is, and I'm talking heads of global organizations right down to, you know, somebody who makes candles, Emily. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, thank you so much for saying that because I often find, and I feel like this has actually come up many times, but it doesn't matter how often people hear it that everyone is experiencing this. Mm-hmm. Everyone still feels like they're just experiencing it because they're just beginning or because they're in this one situation or because that's just them and that's how they deal or whatever it may be. Um, and that they're doing it wrong, that by feeling these things, like there's something just wrong. And granted, it could be more right. <laughs> like you could not be feeling those <laughs> things for sure. But everyone experiences them from candle makers to mm-hmm. CEOs of huge companies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone experiences fraudy feelings in one way or the other, which also just rolls into it almost becomes our like lifelong purpose, not only like lifelong leadership or lifelong learning and always being curious, but also consistently fighting our own imposter complex or fraudy yeah. feelings so that we do keep mm-hmm. showing up to do the work. Um, then it's about time for us to start wrapping this up. So I would love to know from you if there's sort of any last thoughts or any last like comments, any last tips you have for bosses who may be listening to this, who maybe needs to make that change from managing either themselves or others to really stepping into that leader role. Know that imposter syndrome is part of the job. So know that you're going to wonder if you're good enough for it. And the answer is maybe, maybe not. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, we're not always good at everything. But give it, don't let the imposter's voice dictate whether you're good at it or not. Uh, On that last, on that point. And I suppose the other thing I would say, if, if you take anything, if you take only one thing out of this whole hour, it's listen really practice your listening. You can, you know, I've been listening professionally for 20 years and I've, I can still get better and better. And I learn more and more about listening and about learning through listening. Mm. And where can people find more about you? They can find more about me at my website, which is sallynetherwood.com. Love it. And my final, final question, Sally, what makes you feel most boss? creating a light bulb moment in somebody seeing that moment uh where they were over here and now something has shifted and they will never be back there again it is they've just popped 
to a new place. Sometimes that's a little thing that makes a big difference, like an until now kind of moment. And sometimes in my work, I'm privileged to make quite profound shifts in people. And those are the really great days. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. This was as magical as I thought it would be, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) As fun as I thought it would be. (laughs) If you're anything like me, you're feeling some inspiration after that chat. So the question is, do you want to have some of your own or sit in while I chat with guests? Then I can't encourage you enough to join the Being Boss community, where you'll have access to inspiring conversations at every level. Every member gets access to our Monday meetups and our community platform for posting questions and engaging with members. In the Clubhouse, you'll get access to additional content like the Making a Business podcast and Clubhouse conversation calls, like the one where this interview was recorded. And if you're a six-figure boss looking for an inspiring group of like-minded business owners to hold you accountable and help you do the work, then check out the C-Suite, which has access to everything else too. Learn more and join in by going to beingboss.club slash community. And until next time, do the work, be boss. Yeah.